0: I want to welcome all of our campuses to the fourth week of our series entitled Triggers. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Yes. So we're in a six-week series and we're talking about those events, those circumstances, those environments that we encounter that, that somehow trigger something on the inside of us. And by the way, it demands a response. I had a conversation with this guy one time. He said, Pastor, it's just crazy. Every time I get into this situation, it reminds me of something that happened to me years ago. And it's almost like I can feel the same feelings. You ever been there before? What's happening is he's being, come on, everybody say it, triggered. And when you get triggered, you you make decisions. And you can make decisions after the flesh or after the... Spirit. Now, let me tell you what my goal is in this series. My goal in this series is twofold. Number one is to help you identify your triggers. See, you can't defeat what you can't identify. And once you understand, all right, this situation, this circumstance, this is why I feel the way I do. Once you can identify that, number two, then you can understand biblically how to overcome that. See, I do not believe that we have to be victims to our triggers, to flesh patterns, to sin or the devil, but we can actually be victorious in the gospel. How many are grateful for the power of Christ? Y'all grateful for that? We can overcome. You know, it was interesting last summer, there was a situation in my life where, of course, all of us were impacted. The pandemic was about three months into it and... I was in a situation with a, a very dear friend of mine who's a coworker. And quite honestly, just I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I just overreacted. I said some words that were way too strong. I was way too heavy. And, and I knew I saw in there, I, I, I saw that I just I really hurt this particular person. About two hours later, I came back and I said, man, I just want to say, man, I am so sorry. I'm so Apologetic. I, I didn't mean to say that. And of course they acknowledge, say, they, man, look, this really hurt. I just kind of really, man, it was painful the way you said it, how you said it. And and I began to realize and kind of assess in my environment. I realized that because of the stress, I'm not making an excuse. I want you to be aware. I said, man, I realize that I have not been managing stress. I got all these things going on. All of us do. I mean, my gosh, all of us have been experiencing a lot. I say, you know what the reality is? I've not been managing stress. Stress got the best of me. I'm not making an excuse, but it really caused me to step over the line. Man, please forgive me. I, I, I apologize. And I want to say to all of you at all of the campuses, those that are joining us online or one of our physical locations, here's what I find out. And I'm finding out that if we don't manage stress well, actually stress can manage us. Let me say it this way. If we don't manage our triggers, our triggers actually can get the best of us. I want to talk to you today about how we can be triggered by stress, triggered by stress. And I want to do so by talking about a man in the Bible, a very courageous man, a bold man, a man that did great things for God. And yet, because he didn't manage stress appropriately, he was reduced down and he made some poor decisions. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22. I want to talk to you about Peter today. A great man in the Bible, one of the great original apostles, a disciple, a follower of Jesus. He was in that inner circle with Jesus. He was a bold, courageous man. And yet, because he didn't manage stress in his life, because he didn't make some decisions that would have positioned him differently, he succumbed to stress. and He made some poor decisions. Luke chapter 22, I want to read in verse 54. Here's what the Bible says. Having arrested him, that's Jesus... They led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. It's interesting. We talk a lot about the denial of Christ, that Peter denied the Lord. And yet, I do want to think it's important to note here, at least Peter showed up for the party. Let me say it this way. At least he showed up for the event. At least he showed up for the fight. In other words, a lot of people, where's the other disciples? You ever thought about that before? At least Peter was there. He was following at a distance, and yet he was, he was there. And the Bible says, when he got there, in the midst of the courtyard, he sat down, and Peter sat among them, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, hey, this man was also there. She's talking to everybody. She looks over at Peter. She says, hey, see this guy over there? He was one of those Jesus followers. He was with this guy. Watch Peter's response. But Peter denied him, saying, woman, I did not know him. Uh-oh. First denial. And a little while after that, another saw him and said, you also are with one of them. But Peter said, and that's the second time, man, I am not. Then after an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and he wept bitterly. How does that happen? How does Peter go from this bold, strong apostle, this disciple of Jesus? How does he go from boldness to betrayal? How does he go from courage I mean, let me tell you something. Peter was somebody I love. I mean, I really love him and look up to him. So many places in the Bible, when you look in the Gospels, he was a man of faith. He was a man of courage. Be very careful. Say, well, he was just weak. Wait, time out, time out, time out for a moment. He was the one that walked on the water. He was the one that declared who Christ was when Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi. And he asked, Who do men say that I am? Nobody else said anything. And Peter boldly, confidently said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And yet, moments later when Jesus said he was going to go to Jerusalem to be crucified, Peter said, no, you're not. That's when Jesus looked at Peter and he says, hey, get behind me, Satan. In other words, Peter was a bold man. He was a strong man, strong for God. I mean, think about it just for a moment. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. He was having that moment of consecration. You guys know the story where Jesus is kneeling down and he's sweating drops of blood. This is the moment and yet, Jesus says, not what I want, Father, but you want. Peter, James, and John, they were there. And here comes, here comes the, the soldiers. They come because Judas had sold Jesus. They come and they come right into the garden and they take Jesus. And Peter lunges. You guys remember this in the gospel? Peter lunges and he grabs the sword of one of the soldiers and he goes to cut the guy's head off. The guy ducks, he cuts the ear off. I mean, Jesus turns to Peter and goes, hey man, that wrong answer. You know what I'm saying? We're not cutting people's heads off, Peter. Of course, Jesus reached out and picked up the guy's ear and put it right back on. What's the point? It's a bold man, a courageous man. How do you go from boldness... To betraying Jesus. How do you go from how do you go from confidence to cowardness? How does that happen? I want to submit to all of you at all of our campuses, I, I believe it was, Peter didn't recognize the context and the stress and the pressure. Let me tell you something stress and pressure, if you don't manage it well, it can reduce down the strongest of individuals. Had a conversation with a guy recently he said pastor steve i gotta be honest he says i'm just not myself right now he said i've just i've got so much on my plate i got in my business i've got and and i'm trying to respond and all the things that are happening in our culture and in our environment and and it's almost like i'm just i'm just i'm losing a little bit of just kind of my ability to navigate life and and i'm concerned because because when i get in these positions i i mean i just start dropping the ball i i start making poor choices. by the way that's what peter did he dropped the ball Sometimes we drop the ball privately. Sometimes we drop the ball publicly, and everybody sees it. Matter of fact, um, speaking of dropping the ball publicly, I I played football in in high school, and I played free safety at John Curtis, the greatest football school in really the whole world. (laughs) Don't be jealous. But anyway, so... And so I prayed for free safety. And as an eighth grader at John Curtis, it's a big deal. You get to dress out with the varsity. I mean, it's just, it's like a big deal. And your whole goal, of course, is, you know, is to win that state championship and go to the Superdome. And it's just, it's just amazing. So, so here it is, my senior year in the state game, free safety, we're playing this team called Walsman up north, you know, and of course all week long, and I'm a senior, this is it, right? It's the last high school game i am ever playing. And, curse course, all week long, you know, you're out there. And, of course, my, my for if you don't know about football, the free safety, like, everything's supposed to stay in front of me. Like, I'm the last person. To, I'm trying to keep him out of the end zone. Everything's supposed to be in front of me, right? All the receivers, nobody runs past me. Everybody's in front of me, okay, on most formations. That would be the safety's role. For us, I, you know, you're watching the offense, so we're running the plays at Walsh run. So, I, I mean, I just, we got it down. We're memorizing our, the whole thing. And so here it is. I see it. I'm I'm in the game, and I'm like, okay, here it is. Okay, I see. Okay, that tight end. Okay, here comes. It's like just. It's like the whole thing is coming. And so he comes and he runs, and I see it. And so I move this way over here, and I see the ball. I'm like, I just I read it, and and so I jump up for the ball. And I grab the ball, and the guy's behind, kind of like on my side. He jumps up for the ball, and he grabs the ball, and he pulls the ball out of my hands. I drop the ball. He falls down, and it sets up the touchdown that ultimately wins the game. Now, I just want to say this to everybody. I am so grateful that I did not grow up in high school where they had cell phones recording all of our stuff. How many are grateful that, as a matter of fact, I told somebody one time, I'm so glad that my high school life was not recorded on somebody's cell phone. Don't look so holy, you do too. So I would talk to my sons about this, yeah, you know, I I played pretty good, you know, it's pretty good, you know, of course you can just kind of, you don't have to give all the stuff. It's 1986, a year ago. My son goes, dad, you're not going to believe what I got. Somebody posted that film online. My son fast forwards to that point and he has me going up and the guy catching the ball falling over and he's grabbing, he goes, ha ha, this doesn't look good for you. I said, get behind me, Satan. No, I didn't say that. I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Hey, remember what I said? Remember I said, listen, sometimes we drop the ball privately. Sometimes we drop the ball publicly and everybody sees. Stress, if we don't manage stress appropriately, man, it can cause us to drop balls. Big time. Now, let me just say this. I do not advocate, I don't believe the Bible at all advocates that we can live this stress. If any preacher says, you can live stress free, it's not true. We live in a world. My gosh, we live in a world where things happen. And think about all the stuff that all of us are dealing with. Family concerns and business concerns and all the cultural things. And I've been on three conversations this week with different people in our church where Pastor Stephen, they're navigating in family situations because there's disagreements about things. Big ticket items, by the way. Stress is at epic proportions in our culture. This week I had a guy in our church tell me, he said, Pastor if you're not going to believe what happened to me. I said, what? He goes, I was at Home Depot with my wife and my kids this week. He says we're just going out there is a you know we're we're and we pull in front and this guy pulls in front and he looks at me and I look at him and you know I'm trying to I'm going to go around him the guy jumps out of the car he goes, I don't know if he has a gun. I don't know if he's going to fight me. I don't know if he's going to shoot the bird. I don't know if he's going to cuss me out. My kids, I mean, it's just, I, I I've kind of froze. I didn't really know what to do. And, and so I want to help everybody. Jumping out of the car at Home Depot, cursing somebody out, because you're not sure which way they're going to go, on like just in front of, how I many you know, that's not normal behavior. That person's burned out, stressed out. Let me tell you, that person should be at Church of the King. Listen to Pastor Steve on Trigger series. By the way, I say that respectfully. Or any pastor that's preaching this. We can't live that way. No, we cannot escape the world. No, stress is real. I get it. I'm married, I have kids, I have a job, all that stuff. I understand that. Things, complexities of life, cultural shifts, and political things. It's just all around us. But we don't have to succumb to that. We can walk in peace. Jesus said it this way, in this world, you will have tribulation. You're going to go through stress. You're going to go through adversity. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So what is stress? It's the pressures of life. But how one perceives and believes and reacts and copes with these pressures. Again, not all stress is bad. We need a certain amount of stress in our life. I mean, those of you that work out, you know that your muscles need to have these little, that you're stressing your muscles in a good way. There's little tears in the microfibers in your muscle. And so a healthy amount of stress creates growth and opportunity. Too much stress, I'm talking about chronic stress that goes to your core, and it changes who you are if you don't manage it. If you don't negotiate life biblically and understand and live with a different perspective. I've been in situations in my life where stress got the best of me. That was last summer. I said something that I regretted. I heard somebody that was close to me. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe if you were honest, you'd say, Pastor, just to be honest, I I, I am right there. I feel like I'm losing more than I'm winning. I feel like stress and life is getting more the best of me rather than me getting the best out of it. If that's you, I, I wanna talk to you. I wanna just give you four things that I believe that all of us need to know how we can manage stress. Better Now, I want to say this to every campus. You cannot live a stress-free life. That's impossible. A healthy amount is good. But I will say this. We've got to manage stress. We don't need to be triggered by stress. Situation, triggered, response. We need to have situations. We're aware of those situations. We manage them according to God's Word. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You have the Word of God. You have the angels, the host of heaven around you. You and I can respond differently. We don't have to respond like the world. We can respond in the power of Christ. We can respond in the power of the gospel with the strength of God. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you guys four things. I am going to say this. I, we used to give an, notes away a lot at church. We don't do that anymore online. All those that are joining us online can go download us. But bring something to write if you want. I'm going to give you four things. This is something that I think will help you this week. Four things that you and I need to know in order to manage stress. Number one, Pastor Steve. And I'm just going to ask this. How many of y'all want to learn how to manage stress better? Raise your hand if you do. Okay. All right. I I, I know that I do. Let me give you four things. Number one, know your audience. In other words, we must know who we're trying to please ultimately in life. John chapter 5, verse 30. Here's what Jesus said. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will. Question, whose will are you seeking in life? I'm, I'm asking everybody, whose will are you seeking in life? Your own will? Are you seeking to please somebody else? Are you seeking first to please yourself? Please somebody else. In other words, who are you living for? Ultimately, whose opinion means the most in your life? Whose opinion is the loudest in your ear? Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself, but as I hear, who's talking? His father. I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who has set me. Friends, you and I have to learn to live for the audience of one. You and I have to learn to live that there's got to be somebody's voice that's louder than everybody. In other words, there's got to be a voice that's louder than the rest of the crowd. If you were not here last week, I talked about the fear of the Lord. What does it mean that? Fear the Lord. What does it mean? That I'm scared of God because he's unpredictable? No. To fear the Lord means that I value God's opinion above man's opinion. It means that I esteem what God says, what God says in his word, above what man. It doesn't mean that I don't value what other people think. It doesn't mean that I don't value others' opinions, but I value what God says more than what other people say. We have to value what God thinks more than what other people think. So in other words, whose voice are you living for? One of my boys that played football, he said, Dad, it's crazy. He says, but in the game, he said, everybody else can be yelling. All these other parents can be yelling, but there's something about your voice that it just kind of penetrates through the crowd, and I can hear it. Why is that? He's my son. He knows my, say it, my Voice, Can I say something? There can be a lot of people around you. There's a lot of commotion around you. There's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of job things, family things. The question is, can you hear God's voice above the rest? If you're living stressed out, maybe you're trying to please everybody else. I heard one person said this one time. He says, I don't know what the key to success is, but I do know what the key to failure is. Trying to please Everyone. You can't please everybody. Just when you get one group happy, the next group's mad at you. How many you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever raised children before? Can I have a good amen in church? Amen. All right, where are we going to go eat? Forget it. I don't care. I'm picking. All right, here we go. <laughs> I believe that a lot of stress in my life is because I forget that I'm living ultimately for the audience of one. This week, I saw a very cool video Uh, It was a small clip by Coach Bobby uh, Bowden. Of course, he's passed away. He's in heaven worshiping Jesus. He was an incredible coach. He was the coach for Florida State, Uh, 38 years there. I think he coached over 50 years. He died. uh, It's like 92. And the last 10 years, he really was a preacher, motivational speaker, preacher, just an amazing person. And, And so the. The person that was interviewing him said, well, coach, how did you navigate life? I mean, he's the winningest, by the way, the winningest coach in Division I history. More bowl games, more, you know, during the season wins. I mean, the guy was amazing. And he, asked, he was asked this question. Here's what he said. I just love this statement because I was just kind of watching it. And I was just thinking, okay, what's going to happen next? And here's what he said. He said, well, let me tell you how I do it. He said, I'm a man of faith. He says, the way that I I evaluate my life, the way that I prioritize my life is that I put God above football. I put God above my wins, above my losses, above my family. In other words, the way that I keep my life centered and balanced is I put God number one. And he actually uses this scripture. He says, if you will seek first. Everyone say first. Matter of fact, it's Matthew. He quoted Matthew 6.33. Pastor Steve, who am I living for? Am I living for everybody else's opinion or am I living for God's? He said, seek first. Everyone say, seek first." first. Seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, we've got to first live for heaven's opinion before earth's opinion. The quickest way to get stressed out is live for everybody else's opinion. doesn't mean that we don't care what people think. I hear what preachers say, oh, don't even worry about what people think. No, I care what my wife thinks. I care what you think. I care what my kids think. I care what my neighbors, I care what people think about me. But I don't care more what you think about me than what God thinks about me. It's ultimately who do you care. Everybody say know your audience. Number two, the second way to reduce stress in our life is we've got to know our mission. In other words, we've got to know our why. We spend so much time grappling in the what we spend a lot of energy in the what, in the tactical parts of our life, and we forget our why. What I've often said as I'm teaching and leading on our team, I said, when you answer the why, when you know your why, the what becomes real easy. When we lose sight of the why, the why is our purpose, the why is our assignment, why are you here? When you don't know your why, you end up living some other people's what's that they may give you. Jesus said it this way. John chapter 8, verse 14, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from. Question, do you know where you came from? Now, if you believe that you're just slime plus time and you just just kind of kind of came out of some pre-immoral you know, ooze in some pond somewhere, if you don't believe that you're made in the image of God and the likeness of God, if you don't believe that God's your creator and you're just slime plus time, then guess what? Then this scripture won't mean anything to you. But if you believe that you've been shaped by God, fashioned by God, created by God, that God birthed you, that God saved you, that God purchased you, that you belong to God, He knows your gifts and talents and abilities and He puts you on this earth with purpose, for a purpose to serve your generation, all of a sudden you live with heavenward focus. You live differently. Oh, man. You wake up each day and your heart beats quicker. Why? Because you know your why. God has a purpose for your life. All of a sudden, you, you begin to understand. You begin to prioritize or reprioritize life. Jesus says, I know where I came from. Do you know where you came from? Do you know that God knows? Listen, God knows your palm. He knows the hair that used to be on all of our heads. Can I have a witness in God's house? He, he kn- let me tell you, God knows you. God knows how you tick best. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your aptitudes. He knows your temperament. He knows the generation that you were placed in. He knows everything about you. And He has a purpose for you. Jesus says, I know, I know where I've come from and I know where I'm going. Do you know where you're going? I'm asking you, do you know where you're going? If you don't know where you're going to go, listen, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up anywhere. But if you wake up, I, have a, I, I know God, I, I'm living for God, I'm living for, for God. doesn't mean that I don't want to please my wife. doesn't mean that I don't want to please my kids. doesn't mean that I don't want to serve and please the congregation that God's called me to serve. But I don't want to please you more than I please God. I don't want to please my wife more than I please God. I, I, I don't want to please my kids more than I please God. Why? Because if I please God first, if I live this way, I'll have strength to actually do this way. I've got to know my audience, but I've got to know my mission. Even if I bear witness to myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from and you do not know where I'm going. We've got to make a decision. Are we going to live, watch this, by heaven's priorities for our lives, for heaven's purpose for our life, or man's pressure? You're either going to live by God's purpose or man's pressure. Which one are you going to do? Number one, we've got to know our audience. Number two, we've got to know our mission. Number three... This is big. This is big for me. You and I have to know when to rest. Sometimes we get stressed out because we're not biblically fulfilling what God has designed our life. He's, we're not living according to his guidelines. Mark chapter 6 verse 31. Jesus said this. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were, coming, for there were many coming and going. and They did not have time to rest. The reason why Jesus, was, I love Jesus. He was just cool very productive, very fruitful, but he was relaxed in what he did. I wonder if sometimes we're stressed out and we're tensed and and we're all, all of our adrenaline's all over. I wonder if it's because we're not fulfilling the biblical mandate, watch this, to come aside and to rest. I am ramped up personality, type A type person and of the hardest things for me to do my mom put a work ethic in me as a young boy I mean I I, I fear not being productive I, I I my mom as a kid I mean I know a lot of y'all know her she's a wonderful person we couldn't take naps as a kid we could not I mean it's just like you got to get up you got to be productive and the reality is is that some of that's good but some of that can be bad Jesus said this he says come aside and rest everyone say rest you know, what happens to us is, can, can I tell you something, guys? You're not, a, you're not, sometimes we forget the fact that God made us holistic. We are spirit, soul, and body. The Greeks liked to separate, but the Jewish people didn't. The, se- the Greeks would like to say, "Your mind's this and your body's this, and, and the spirit world is good, but your body's bad." Wait, time out, the, the Jewish people understood this, and we come out of the Jewish faith, the Old Testament, we, we're living now in the New Testament, and in this says, we, we, we have a body, and God designed our body to connect with our soul and our emotions, our adrenalines in our body, but it connects with our emotions, but that connects with our spiritual life. It's all integrated. Don't separate what God integrates. And when we rest, we get refueled. Guys, you, you know the, the Big Ten? Y'all know what the Big Ten, you know, like the 10 what? Come on, can you say it out loud, to all the campuses? Come on, please say this. If I'm your pastor, the ten what? Say it out loud commandments. Notice they're not the ten suggestions. You know what one of them is? Honor the what? Say it? The Sabbath. What is a Sabbath? It's a day of rest. It's a day where we allow our soul, our spiritual renewal, our emotional renewal. Can you imagine traveling with Jesus in his group? Can you imagine signs, wonders, miracles, feeding people, multiplying, you know, speckled trout? French bread, big parties, raise, funerals go by, raise people from the dead, heal eyes, blind the whole thing. Can you imagine being in this inner circle? You are going to McDonald's, you're going to get a happy meal. Somebody walks in behind you, that you know, pray for me. You're like, can I just have? Can you imagine? And yet, in the middle of all of those needs, in the middle of all that productivity, Jesus says, "Hey guys, leave the needs there for a moment. Come over here and rest." I've seen strong, strong people be reduced down because they violated the principle of the Sabbath. Number one, we've got to know who we're living for. I'm trying to help you guys that we're going to reduce stress. Can't eliminate stress. We've got to know. Ultimately, we want to please God. Doesn't mean we don't please our spouse. Doesn't mean we don't. But ultimately, we want to please God. What does God say? What does God say? Everybody say, what does God say? That's the fear of the Lord. Number two, we've got to know our mission. Number three, we've got to know when it's time to rest. Learn how to take a vacation, learn how to take off, learn how we've got to take time. You, you guys know when you go, you, you know when you go on the airplane and the flight attendant comes on and the flight attendant says, in case the cabin loses pressure, please don't miss what I'm about to say. In case the cabin loses pressure, because you're a Christian, please get up. Don't put the mask on. You put the mask on every single body. That what it, is that what the person says? No. It says, put your mask on what? Say it first. Why? So that you can actually see correctly to be able to put it on anybody else around you. If you're not healthy in your soul, it's hard helping people around you. Everybody say, live for God. Live on purpose. Say, live rested. Doesn't mean you're not productive. Live rested. Let me give you the last one. You guys ready? Live and know your lifeline. What is your lifeline? Make and keep the habit of personal devotional life. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and he departed to a solitary place, and there he, come on, say it. Can I ask you a question? Do you think if Jesus, the Son of God, fully God but fully man, who had no sin nature, do you think if it was important for him to check in with headquarters in the very beginning of the day, do you think that just maybe it's important for us to check in with heaven? You guys have heard me say this before. A guy told me once. I goes, Pastor, I'll be honest, man. I get so excited in the morning. I just go charging throughout the day. I don't want to. I I pray at the end of the day, and I said, "You're welcome to do that." Matter of fact, you you know, if you want to get beat up by the devil all day long and finally talk to God at the end, go for it. But I need to hear from the head coach before I start the game. I want to encourage you. I don't care if it's five minutes. I don't care if it's ten minutes. If Jesus rose early in the morning and prayed, trust me, you're checking your email. Why don't you check the Bible? Why don't you check your, let me tell you, we're checking our phones, we're checking an email, just, even if it's a scripture, even if it's a devotional, whatever, let's just check in with heaven. Why? Because we got to know our lifeline. You're not just a body. You're not just a mind. You're not just emotions. You're a spiritual being. Prayer is a spiritual decompression chamber. I've got to know my audience. I've got to know my mission. I've got to know my, i got to know when to rest, but I've got to know my lifeline. Hey, by the way, can I tell you something? I'll read one last cool scripture. Peter, when he got to the end of his life, actually 50 AD, you know what Peter said as an older man? And by the way, 50 days after he denied Christ, God in his mercy still chosen to be the preacher of the New Testament. First preacher, how many are grateful that God doesn't throw you away when you make a mistake? Y'all grateful for that? The day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and preached. But watch what Peter says. Here's what he says. Watch this. He says, cast all your anxiety. This is 20 years after he denied Jesus. Cast all your anxiety. Cast all your anxiety where? On who? Say it. I'm not a big fisherman. I do fish. I like hunting and playing golf better than fishing, but I do. And... and, and I know a little bit of not a lot. Some of you are much better fishermen, but I know one thing. You have a pole, line, the whole thing. And the end you've got a lure, you know, if you've got your hook, your bait, whatever. I know the goal is, is that when you're casting, the goal is, is that your bait and your lure end up further away from you than where they started. Isn't that right? All the fishermen, am I on right? Am I on track? I'm asking everybody. Yes? Okay, okay, here it is, here it is, here it is. Watch this. This is what prayer does in the morning. I'm trying to help you guys. So if I'm cast, everybody say cast. Okay, so if I'm good, I know some of you guys are fancy. You do like this. And I I'm old school. It's like this. Okay, the goal of casting is whatever's on the end is further away from me than when I started. You know what prayer does in the morning? And make sure that all your problems get further away from you on God at the end of your prayer time than when you start. Here's what I found. Listen, if you don't cast it on him, you carry it throughout the day. Start casting and quit carrying. Now, here's the next verse for your devil. You know what the devil does? He's trying to come and take advantage of you because you should have been casting, but you're carrying You're carrying things you shouldn't have been carrying. You should have cast that on God. But be alert, be alert. Peter, I wonder if Peter, I wonder if Peter was carrying things that day he shouldn't have been carrying. I wonder if he was stressed when he should have been. I wonder if Peter, I wonder if Peter, he didn't cast and he was carrying instead. So what do you do each morning, pastor? I make confessions. What confessions? I I confess. Confession is two things. We confess sin, but we confess also the word of God, the positive framework of God's word. All right, here it is. I'm going to give you my stress confection. Y'all ready? Two people are excited. here it is. One minute left. Matter of fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to ask every campus, everybody to stand at every campus right now. Everybody. If you're online in the home, stand up right now, okay, if you can. If you can. All right. So, so this is what I do. What am I doing? I'm teaching you how to cast. Are you guys ready? Here it is. I'm teaching you. This is in my prayer time. This is how to cast. This is is our stress confession. All right, here it is. Number one, let's say it together at the count of three. The first one, you guys ready? One, two, three. God takes my anxiety. I cast all my cares upon Him and He takes them. Pause for a moment. What would be the quality of our life if we really believe that He takes our cares? It's possible, that's what the Bible says, it's a promise. Everybody say cast. Yes. Okay, I'm casting. Remember, you either carry or you cast. Carry or cast. All right, watch this. Number two. Let's read it together at the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus gives me his peace and rest. I am not overwhelmed. I will not be shaken. Then Just, just take that in. Okay, here's another one. I'm in my backyard, by the way. I'm, I'm pacing in my backyard. I have, con- I have confessions. All right, here's another one. The count of three, ready? One, two, three. God's given me all I need for today. I have everything I need for a fulfilled life and godliness. All right, here's the next one. The count of three. One, two, three. The Holy Spirit is in me and with me and fills me with power. I am not alone. I have strength for today. How many of y'all feel that? All right, wait. Here's the last one. You guys ready? Wait till you read this last one. We're going to just go up one notch. You guys ready? Here it is. One, two, three. God's already in my tomorrow, so I don't need to be anxious when I arrive. Come on. Isn't that powerful? God's there. God's there. He's the Alpha and the Omega. I'm going to pray for you guys. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Maybe you've been carrying what God told you to cast. You've been carrying worry. And I'm telling you, that's where stress comes from. It's when we internalize the problems, and God says, Give me your problems, give me your worries, give me your cares. Cast or carry. It's your choice. Lord, give us the grace. I'm going to ask you if you feel comfortable just putting your hands out like this in front of you. I don't want to embarrass anybody. but Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would teach us how we only want in our hands what you want us to to have in our hands. And Lord, we cast our cares upon you. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts right now. Fill our lives right now with your peace and your promise and purpose and your presence. Lord, we just give to you right now. Why don't you just, maybe you just need to picture that, that you're just giving over to God your cares. Just give it to him. That struggle you've been dealing with, that challenge with that kid, that challenge in your job, whatever it is. It's not that we don't deal with things, but we don't have to carry the stress attached to that thing, the worry attached to it, because God's got you. Yeah, just give it to him right now. Jesus, we thank you. We cast our cares upon you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, as their pastor, I bless these amazing people. I pray the favor of God and the grace of God upon every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Lord, you're teaching us what it means to live for the audience of one, to know the audience we're living for. Lord, you're teaching us to know our mission, Lord, to know when to rest and to know our lifeline of prayer. Oh, God, teach us in prayer to cast, to not carry, but cast. We give it to you. I bless your people this day in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, we bless the Lord. Hey, I love you guys. I'll I'll see you next week. God bless.